Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here today. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. On the podcast, it's a little bit different. We have our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then we have a conversation about it. And I'm super duper excited uh, about our guest that we have here today. I've known him for years and years, uh, back through the improv scene. And when I first laid eyes on him, and I was like, I want to be friends with him. And we are friends now, I think. (laughs) No, we are. Um, Put your hands together for Scott Austin, pronouns he, him, his. Hi, Scott. Hello there. How are you? I'm good, and we are most certainly friends now. I know. I don't know why I said that. I mean, obviously, we're friends. We have we have discussed that we had friend crushes on each other. Yeah. In that first improv class we were in. Yeah. So I'm glad that we were like brave enough to be like want to be friends. I feel like it's so hard to be friends when you're adult. Like make friends yeah. when you're an adult. Yeah. It's like the nerdiest question that mm-hmm. I had no problem asking in kindergarten, but now now I have a harder time. Being like, you and me, we should be friends. Because mm-hmm. I just assume like, oh, you've got so many great things going on in your life. You don't have time. And I don't have time. And But we do. We do have time for each other. We make the time that we need for the people we love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Hmm. We'll talk more about our friendship later. But Lovely. before we get into that, I we all have multiple coming out stories. Yes. Um, and so I would love to hear one of yours. So... The first people I told I was gay were all my really good friends freshman year of college. My friend Elena and I used to go running. And we used to do it, we used to time it at mealtime because we both had a little bit of anorexia going on. Um, So it was a nice way to be like, oh, we're busy. We can't come to dinner. We'll grab it after we run. And then we wouldn't. But, uh, you know, after a semester of doing that, it was January and we were running in Syracuse snow because that's what you do, mm-hmm. um, avoiding ice on sidewalks and whatnot. And we got to the top of campus, um, Kraus College, it's a school of music and it's this gorgeous old building and it started to snow and we sat down and just decided to like talk about, it was right after that semester break, winter break, so January and... Um, So we were catching up a little, and I mentioned that I definitely had a crush on someone, and it was Ian on the fourth floor of our dorm. And Delena just hugged me for admitting that I had a giant crush on Ian. And then a couple days later, I started, you know, sitting at the fourth floor table Mm. at uh, mealtime in good old Shaw Hall. And um, Ian ended up being my first boyfriend. How? Okay, sorry. He bought me an African violet for my birthday, which was like three weeks after I came out. So that plant was like my my coming out plant. And my mom still has it because I had moved around a lot. And so some dorm rooms didn't have enough light for my African violet. And it's still growing and happy. That's amazing. Like me. Aw. That's great. Yeah. So Ian is, you know, living in Paris and married at the moment, but... uh, yeah, he was a very good, kind first boyfriend. And that, that was my, like, coming out story. And then uh, my brother walked in. My brother was a senior at Syracuse when I was a freshman. And he walked into, like, a coffee shop when I was just with Ian. And I panic-faced. I, like, deer and headlighted it. And he and I got together the next day to, like, just talk. You know, I needed to talk. And mm-hmm. he was very kind and receptive and said like oh i just expected you to come out at thanksgiving so you know you're a couple months behind where i thought you were but you know take your time okay if you need me there when you come out to mom and dad let me know and i didn't but um yeah so i had a very supportive loving friend group and supportive loving family when i came out it was uh best case scenario that's great yeah 
Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I reacted because like it was like crush boyfriend. Oh like, yeah. Well wow. out coming out crush boyfriend. It's like that never happens to me. So like, Give oh, that no, it doesn't happen please? anymore Thanks. to me. <laughs> okay. It doesn't happen anymore. I think it was, I think because neither of us had the opportunity, Ian had grown up in Montana and he was like the only gay person in a hundred mile radius that he knew of. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we just didn't have that like middle school crush where boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, I mean, I did good old, you know, Katie Sutterby, but uh mm-hmm. I feel like you miss that experience when you don't come out until a little bit later. Totally. And so it was able to go from, I like you. Let's make out in your dorm room. Let's watch Gattaca. This is the hottest movie I've ever seen. Sweaty Jude Law being carried up the stairs by a sweaty Ethan Hawke. And now we're boyfriends. Yeah. What's the movie with Angelina Jolie where they steal cars? Um... Gone in 60 Seconds. I, um, I, I have not seen it. Thank you, Bubby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is like a movie that I have made out with. Made out. <laughs> I haven't made out with the movie. You made just... out with girls to that movie. And so it has become in my mind this like very sexy movie. I mean, Angela Julie is like very sexy. Once you licked the sticker off your VHS, <laughs> yeah. you got a DVD copy. It and... was over. Mm. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I could still... I still forgive Ethan Hawke for being Ethan Hawke uh, because of the movie Gattaca and that scene in particular. How do you spell that? I've never heard uh, of it or seen it. You've never seen Gattaca? Oh, it was recently added to Netflix. Ooh, it's I'll like add it to my queue. Futuristic. Um, I can't spell, so. Okay. I think it's got one T. Okay. I, I can, I'll use my brain, my brain power to figure it out later. Yeah, just... Uma Thurman is probably a draw for some people, but that would be for me. I mean, she's talented. Yeah, I'll give her that. I like I like a good ooms. Um, something something that you <laughs> um, mentioned that I want to talk about is you were saying like because you didn't get to experience that like outwardly like crush feelings when like you were younger, it kind of escalated quickly as adults. And I like like in that sense of like we have a crush on each other, we're gonna date. Yeah. And I feel like I have, have very similar experiences of like when I think about my um, just like my progress, like I feel like I've had almost like two adolescences. Yeah. it. You know, it's like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to just agree with you that like mm. it it is almost like puberty too. Yeah. You're like figuring out dating because you put that on hold. Like I locked that part of me up mm-hmm. so that, you know, anything that might like I didn't drink or smoke or do anything that would let me like lose control. I didn't want to, you know, get drunk at a party and accidentally make out with a boy. So like even like in middle school when everyone else was like holding hands and kissing on the bus and whatnot, um, I was just very like, no, I, I could never, I respect all women. I could never do that to them. Mm -hmm. But now I know that, it's a different kind of respect. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's so interesting to me, Scott, because I drank and smoked so much to, to like lose control as like, it was almost like I had control over losing control and escaping the like reality that I couldn't live an authentic teen years. So that's so interesting how on both ends of those, of the spectrum. Yeah. I even went so far as to, I mean, I had mentioned in my coming out story that I was struggling with some anorexia, Mm -hmm. some bulimia, but that was also a control thing. Like I Mm -hmm. couldn't control these feelings that I was having um, more and more strongly and attaching them to people that I could actually maybe do something with. Uh, So I just kind of tried to control my body and control my weight and whatnot and that was not all that healthy. Yeah. Neither is drinking and smoking six, seven nights a week. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. We uh, we both made it through, though. We did. We made it through. Look at us. Um, I feel like, so I, I still definitely feel like I'm in 
So I had my second like puberty adolescence when I came out as gay. And then when I came out as trans or like disclosed that I'm trans, like I feel like, and, and also after having top surgery where I'm like finally comfortable in my own skin, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm still in this like second adolescence where I'm like still finding my bearings of like what makes sense to me and what I'm looking for. And I think I have a pretty good idea but I still find myself having tendencies of like, that's get married and like you haul it, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it's not. Oh, yeah. The yeah. like thing to do. Note that. Well, I guess it could work for some people. I also like feel like I have acne for like. As a, like, you know, like yeah, I'm, no. I am like going, but I'm not even on hormones right now, but I think they're just changing anyway. And I'm they're just it's just like. Raging. I still get acne at 37. It's so she made just a thing. I think it's a lie that it's done after puberty. Like you know, it's aggressive during puberty, but I still get zits. Do you know what is awesome though? Is in high school I never got zits. Hmm. I had really good skin in high school. And honestly, I feel like if I had to pick an age to have great skin, I'm glad it was in high school because now I like don't care as much and like it's fine. Cause I can deal with it. But I think in high school I would have, my self-esteem was already so low that like I needed this one win hmm. and it was good skin and it rhymed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had good skin then. <laughs> and you. I don't, I don't conjure up a, <laughs> you know, zit pocked face when I think of you. So. Thank you. But if that were my truth and that's what you would do. It, it is what I would do. Yeah. Um, I still can't get over like coming out crush boyfriend. How long did you date? About a month. Okay. Yeah. He was an architecture major and he, so when he wasn't in studio, he wanted to like go out drinking and I would go to parties with him, but I wouldn't drink. And that's a weird dynamic. Mm. To have one like very consciously sober person and one very consciously unconscious person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, we just kind of decided like, yeah, we are physically attracted to each other. We respect each other, but we don't want to do the same things. So why are we spending all our time together mm-hmm. doing the same things? Had you said I love you to each other? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think I told Ian I loved him. Did you? I'm just getting, I'm just like digging. You're digging. (laughs) I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Was it one of those? Okay. So, okay. You didn't love him. So I'm thinking of like after a month, like at that point in my adolescence, quote unquote, I feel like I would have been devastated by like, even though it was only a month, but I think maybe if the feelings were deeper. Oh yeah. I mean, it was. Our first Nothing date easy, was actually, we went to the annual Martin Luther King dinner and heard Dr. Cornell West speak. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that was around Martin Luther King Day. So a month later, we broke up right around Valentine's Day. So, you know, 18-year-old mm. angsty Scott, 19 by that point, I had an African violet and a birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19-year-old Scott was devastated yeah um but i still don't think i had said i love you i probably felt it yeah was i'd been saying a lot of things that were new to me so (laughs) what do you think um like so thinking about the first time you did say i love you to someone Mm -hmm. what do you think propelled you to say it to them um I don't know. I think it was just the fact that like I couldn't be present in the moment without getting it off my chest. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that's still when I tell someone I love them, why I say it. Yeah. I like that. I think that's true. I'm thinking back to my first time saying it to someone I loved. And I think it was also something very similar to that. Of like, I just can't hold it in anymore. Yeah. The person could have been talking for a good five minutes telling a story about their day and I have no idea what it was because it's just in my head. Mm-hmm. So. There you go. Hmm. There I go. There you go. So you're a teacher. 
I am a teacher. Um, and you teach drama? I teach 11th and 12th grade theater and English. Okay, so sorry. Theater no. and English. I actually should know that we're friends. <laughs> it's I I simplify it for people. Okay. Especially cuz one of the English classes I teach is called directing and script analysis. So, we read plays and talk about how we analyze them in terms of someone who would then direct it and just kind of being this middle place between author and audience. And I really, I love that position in literature. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I love teaching literature um, because I didn't write the material, Mm -hmm. nor am I the final audience. I still have influence over how it's interpreted. That's a lot of power. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like power. Uh, no, you but are I, very I power hungry. I just, <laughs> that's why I became a public school teacher. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, it's the power. Uh, ego trip. No. Um, in reality, I do love that, and I love when students see literature or play, and they see themselves in it, and they see that they can find voice through uh, an understanding of a text. And sharing that text to a larger audience. Yeah. Do are any, do you have any out students? I do. When I so when I first started teaching, I was in a conservative school district, upstate suburbs of Syracuse, and I had students. Um, I had the student who was in my first ever class. I'm 22 years old, teaching 18-year-olds. It was a college prep writing class. And we had done one assignment. It was like food writing, you know, write a memory about food or something. Uh, And then um, they were working on their personal statements. And this one kid who was on student government and just this really cool kid, he was on the soccer team, started coming in without his homework and just not volunteering anymore and not being an active part of the community. And I was confused. So I asked him to stay after and I was, he wasn't in trouble. He didn't have detention, but I was like, stop by after school. We'll talk through ideas and get something for your personal statement. And he comes in and he's sitting there and he's just looking as small as he can be staring at his shoes and talking. And finally he says, I just can't write this essay because I don't like myself. Hmm. And I can't write an essay that says that I'm the best and you should take me into your college because I'm not and they shouldn't. And he just starts weeping. Hmm. And I could tell that it was him having like a moment where he was just very close to coming out or maybe he was out with his friends, but he, he didn't like himself because of many factors. One of them largely, I assumed because he was gay Mm -hmm. and maybe I was putting that from myself onto him, Mm -hmm. but I have since found out that I was not putting that from myself Mm -hmm. onto him. Um, We have talked about it in the years since, and we just kind of talked through it and I, told him, you know, I have felt that way before and here's a time that I didn't feel that way. And I told a little bit about my coming out and a little bit about my eating disorder and we talked through it and I don't remember what his paper ended up being about, but um, it was in that moment with this student sitting there crying and me like looking through my desk. I remember I gave him a birthday candle. I don't know why I had one in my desk. Mm. I don't know why I gave it to him, but I talked about the little prince and I sputtered things and I talked about light and candles and fire. I don't know. Uh, but in that panic, I remember thinking, what would I have done for an out role model when I was in high school? Mm -hmm. There was a Spanish teacher and an English teacher in my high school that we knew were gay or we assumed were gay but they never said it or addressed it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe a month into teaching, my teaching career, I just said, you know, I, I owe it to these kids to be out and to be honest with them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a fairly conservative district uh, in that I was for a while the only out teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely not the only queer teacher, but I was the only out teacher. And so I would have at least one student a semester stay after school to talk about not an assignment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Austin, can I come after school? And I'd usually make them fold stuff that costumes that we had been using or enter quiz grades into my grade book or do something until they finally built up the courage to come out to me, mm-hmm. tell me they were gay. Um, and now I'm at a super artsy school and my students, many of them are identify as queer, uh, gay, lesbian. I have a few trans students. And so I'm in a very, it feels like a very Brooklyn queer utopia high school. So now, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But even when I started teaching, students were coming out in high school. And remi- did you say how long ago that was? I, if I you- didn't. Cause, Ooh, I didn't think so. Because now people can do math. Uh, hey, everyone, don't do math. I'm 37. Uh, oh, well, and I have been teaching for the last 15 years. Okay. So I did eight years up in Syracuse. And this is my third school in New York City. I was at a charter school for one year and then an all-girls public school. Uh, and that was actually very interesting working with students who identified as queer there because the school had a big draw of South Asian Muslim families who wanted their daughters separated from boys. Mm -hmm. But then there were also a lot of girls who signed up because they were like, no boys, I'm in. Mm. Uh, Yep, that's the school for me. And it was a very small school. So it was a lot of very religious South Asian Muslim girls and a lot of outspoken lesbians. And it really did make an interesting, fascinating, beautiful mix of humans. Uh, I did have a few South Asian Muslim students who came out to me and Mm -hmm. really didn't know how to navigate that with their families. Um, And when I get something like that, all I can do is listen. Yeah. Because I can't advise a student in good conscience to like, oh, come out to your family who will then disown you and then you will be homeless. Like I, I can't give that advice. But I can tell them that there are people to turn to and that there are resources and I can listen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I am at a co-ed school, a very large school, a very artsy school. And all the diversity that comes with that. Mm-hmm. We are actually the most diverse school in New York State. So hooray. Wow. Hooray us. Based on what? Qualifications. I think uh, uh, race, socioeconomics. Um, I don't know if they take uh, LGBTQ status into that account. I don't know how they calculated this. I just hmm. know we got an award. Well, that's great. Yeah, everyone loves a ribbon. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's all my doing. <laughs> it's that power. Mm-hmm. 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 So... In the in the I know you like direct shows like plays and musicals. Have you found that the like students who are maybe struggling or questioning find themselves within like doing these shows or find some kind of footing? That's kind of a leading question, but answer it. <laughs> yes, uh, I think. Um, I think it happens even more in drama class Mm. and even more in like an improv club than it does in a traditional play. Yes, there are students who find their confidence in their play, but in order or in the school play, but in order to get the part, they kind of already need a certain level of confidence. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, in drama class or an improv club, people can really find their own voices by just exploring who they are and what it is they actually want to say. It's not the words that I've chosen from a play that someone else wrote that they're using. They're, I teach a devising class, 
which is creating theater through a non-traditional method, usually some sort of communal practice. Um, Interview-based theater, like Laramie Project or Vagina Monologues, those are devised, they're not written. Mm -hmm. Um, Or site-specific things, um, any community-based created piece of theater is devised. So I teach Mm -hmm. a devising class and I think students find themselves in that class a lot. I had a student a couple of years ago, it was at the all girls school, but it was the year I had left and gone to the co-ed school. And the student uh, wrote her valedictorian speech about my class and how as a young Muslim woman, she didn't understand why she had to take drama but she had to take drama because New York State says you need an arts credit. And my principal had only hired a theater teacher because I didn't <laughs> need paint or musical instruments. Uh, yeah, she told me that on the train platform one day. Like, we only hired you because you don't need musical instruments or paint. So you were cheap, but you've, you're doing a great job. And the I was like, student said that? No, the principal oh, said oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. I was like, oh, that's not cool. a compliment. But yeah. thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, the student's speech was she used the campaign, My Body, My Choice. And she was like, I felt like I didn't have to stand on the stage. I didn't have to be a character or walk in a certain way because it's my body, my choice. And then she said, and then I learned English a little bit better and realized that that's not what that campaign means. (laughs) And uh, I learned by playing these characters and by standing on stage and Mr. Austin making me be seen that I could be seen and I'm worth being seen. Wow. And so... I sat in the audience sobbing, um, but I was very grateful that my principal had invited me back to the graduation, even though I had left the school, and that a student who had my class 10th and 11th grade would be able to recognize that the goal of my class is not to make everyone win an Oscar, mm-hmm. but just make everyone comfortable standing in front of people being who they are. Yeah. Well, that's deep and amazing and special. Yeah, when someone when someone especially like a teenage kid recognizes that and says that in front of the whole school body and their friends and family, you do sit in the back of the room weeping. It's yeah. The, for it's sure. Probably the most public crying I've ever done. That's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I cry everywhere all the time. Um yeah, because it can be, it can feel really scary to put yourself out there in in like a real authentic way. Especially a lot of the students, um, this girl included, uh, don't speak English all that well. It's not their native language. It's not what they speak at home. Um, or just you don't aren't used to being seen. They're not comfortable with their bodies and having to stand on stage and know that people are looking at you and listening to you mm-hmm. is, is scary. Yeah. So it's scary for me sometimes when I think about it. Say more about that. Uh, I still get nervous sometimes before improv shows, if there's a large audience or the first day of school, I'm still nervous about, Oh, how's this year going to go? Is this class going to be receptive to my teaching style, the material that I want to be teaching? Um, yeah, I still get, I still get very nervous. And then my nervous thing is that I go to the bathroom like 80 million times. Mm -hmm. So before any improv show, I just, you know, stop drinking water a good two hours before the show. Mm -hmm. That's real. It is. I want to be able to make it through the half hour set. (laughs) Right. Without wetting myself. Yeah. I I rarely wear diapers on stage. And if you did always, more power to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I get a really nervous stomach before shows. Okay. And so mine's a little different. But it, I get so nervous before shows. Mostly when I'm performing. When I'm hosting, it's different. I like, just for me, that feels like less pressure than, than actually like improvising. I think teaching... Also, because I know I'm the one in charge and I know I have a plan. Yeah. Whereas if I'm performing either improv or occasionally I'll still do a 
pre-written play. Mm. Um, What's that? You know, <laughs> theater. Uh, and th- those I get very nervous, but as someone who's in charge of it, hosting or directing, my job's done by the time it opens. I can't do anything else. Yeah, that's true. Um, I want to, I want to, um, talk about your, like you coming out as a teacher and like, were you coming out to your, what I mean is not coming out as a teacher, coming out. Mom, dad. (laughs) I'm a teacher. I'm changing my major (laughs) to secondary education. (laughs) No! (laughs) Um, what I meant was like coming out in like, yes, you know what I'm saying? To my class. To your class. Um, Were you worried that there would be any kind of repercussions for doing that? Yeah. Uh, I had that one experience with the senior student. And then it wasn't until maybe the end of the next year that a class was creating a piece of interview-based theater. And this one girl, uh, she lives here in Brooklyn now and is amazing. She's an amazing human. Um, Katie Mulvihill. Don't Hi, think Katie. she would mind a shout out. <laughs> uh, she decided she wanted to write this piece about is it safe to be out in our school? And she convinced her classmates that that's what they were going to create a piece of theater about. And they went around and interviewed people and created this piece of theater. Um, and they felt like it was a safe process because they weren't being themselves on stage. So if I interviewed you, mm-hmm. I would be you on stage mm. and I would copy your mannerisms, but I would change your name. So they, they felt like it was a safe way to try and talk about these themes because it wasn't their voices. They're like, I'm playing a character. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Katie and the rest of her class got this piece going and, we were brainstorming questions and like how to have an interview and how to make an interview feel conversational so that you get stories out of it, which makes better theater, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe two minutes before the bell rings. We've got all these questions on the whiteboard and the students are all just looking at me and I finally said, you all know I'm gay, right? And they just went, yeah, 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 we did. We, I mean, we suspected. We pretty much knew. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, uh, so I basically said, we, we can talk about it. It doesn't need to be, I'm not ashamed of it. It doesn't need to be the thing I'm worried about. But it was another one of those, like, in the moment, I just couldn't not say it. I would be doing people a disservice. Mm-hmm. And they were being so brave and trusting of me that I needed to return that favor. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin who works in like financial planning and he was talking to this guy who had retired from that district and he had been a guidance counselor for 20, 30 years before retiring. And he was talking to my cousin. My cousin said, Oh, this district, you know, my, my cousin Scott works there. Scott Austin. I don't know if you guys overlapped at all. And he was like, no, he started the year after I retired and just like came in and came out and all the other gay teachers in that district have been like, wow, you can just come out here and just be yourself. So that's amazing. Wow. Um, and it, so I think I am teaching and I started teaching at a very fortunate time that I could feel safe and a fortunate space that I could feel safe to come out. Um, I had, told you recently that I was in Ohio. I was in Dayton, Ohio doing Mm -hmm. a teacher training and one of the participants told me that she has to sign a contract every year with her Catholic school that she will not participate in a lifestyle that does not align with the teachings of the church, namely an LGBTQ lifestyle. Jeez. And so this woman who identifies as a lesbian dates women every year signs a contract that says she will not be a lesbian. And I commend her for signing it because I don't know if I would be able to. Yeah. Um, And talking to her, 
she lives in a state. Ohio does not have equal job protection for LGBTQ. Right. And the Catholic Church can claim that it is their religious freedom and that they are a private company, and so she can she can play by their rules or not teach there. But she knows... She said she's had other teachers come to her and say, like, please don't leave our school. The kids need you, and she stays for the kids. Um, but I do think it's very important for teachers to be not perpetuating that it's not okay to be gay. Yeah. So I, I would have a very hard time signing that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it breaks my heart for her and for any other teachers who live in a place where they, their job is on the line. If they talk about, you know, Oh, my girlfriend, right. When I'm dating people, they come see the school plays I direct. My students know who they are. They don't know juicy details of our relationship because that's, wildly inappropriate (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i i'm very fortunate to live in a city that supports lgbtq communities to the extent that it does yeah Um, and i can feel safe and job security if i come out Mm -hmm. i my heart is just breaking just hearing that i can't imagine just the pain of having to sign something like that and like hiding away this like really important piece of your identity. I like that. I don't like, I don't know that I would be able to do that either, but also I'm like not in her shoes. So I don't know like, you know what, what the other circumstances are for her. So it's like giving her the benefit of the doubt. Like she knows what she's doing, but like she's, she's a little bit older. She's been teaching for 15 to 20 years, which just makes it harder to switch districts because you're more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think her hands are a little bit tied as well. But yeah, my heart breaks. Can she retire soon? What What's that? What's that age? Uh, I don't know her retirement plan. <laughs> okay, I thought that like I thought after like I remember I had a teacher. I think it was like she had to teach for like 30 years and then she would get like full retirement. Yeah. In New York state, it's 35, 55. So you teach for 35 years or you are 55 years old. Okay. So, so this is an Ohio teacher. So I'm pretty like, she counted down the days and she was still like 15 years away or 10 years away. But she was like, I can retire in nine years, three months. And I'm like, Oh my God, just what are you doing? (laughs) But, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. That's it's really scary to think about. And also, like, like my best friend, Dolce, is moving back to Ohio, and she's a lesbian, and she is a teacher. And so I'm thinking, like, worried for her. Like, I hope she's she and her family are secure. I don't know. And there are parts of me that, in the one hand, I have like wrestled with the idea of moving back to Ohio because it feels like home to me. And I also feel like it would be like New York is like inundated with queer people. Yeah. And like Columbus needs more out representation and Ohio needs that. Yeah. And so I wrestle with that because it's like maybe I should go and like be that person for all of those people in Ohio. I mean, not in, I'm not, I'm making myself sound like a bigger deal than I am, but you know what I mean? No, like, I, I struggled with that a lot when I moved from Syracuse here because, oh, weird, our drama teacher in Brooklyn is gay. (laughs) Right. So surprising. Right. Uh, Whereas our, you know, my English teacher in this suburban upstate, it was probably a bigger deal. Yeah. But then, you know, but then on the other hand, it's like, I don't. I don't want to get fired for being who I am. And I don't, I need to be in a place that I have protections mm-hmm. and New York has that. Mm-hmm. And I think adding the extra le- like layer for me as a trans person, it's like, I really need to stay where I know that I'm safe, safer yeah. than where I'd be in Ohio. Yeah. I, um, I am very fortunate to present as white male, 
tall white male. I could hide my identity if I needed to type of a thing, but mm-hmm. um, I'm glad I don't have to. Yeah. Um, and it's important to me to live in a place where I don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I could hide <laughs> right now, especially because I buzzed my hair off. Um, Which looks great, by the way. Thank you. It's still growing on me, pun intended. I, I, it's fine. I can't even I know. fake laugh it's at okay. that. I'm sorry. Um, but like, I definitely struggled with that. Like when I had long hair, like to my shoulders uh-huh. and like uh, using that as like a privilege to pass as a straight. And this was also before top, uh, top surgery. So like as a straight white woman versus like then being read as queer, or, yes. you know, and I definitely get that. Like that's a privilege to be able to kind of move between identities when you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, ju- and then just recognizing how hard life is when you can't do that. Like, especially with like skin color and, you know, yeah. other really important identities that people hold that they can't just change because they have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <sighs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Life is tough. Life is tough. <laughs> So if you were to give yourself advice, your younger self advice, what would you tell tiny baby Scott? I would tell tiny baby Scott to take more risks. Mm. Like I remember I was at, I was a junior at the senior ball cause hashtag popular ish, uh, you know, in the musical theater crowd. So I'm at the senior ball and my friend Alice's date, this super like, stereotypical masculine football playing guy was wearing sunglasses inside a dark ballroom. And so I was like, Hey, why don't you take your sunglasses off? Like, how can you even see? And he was like, why do you dance so good? Are you gay? You must be. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, you're probably, you're probably sensitive to the sun. I'm going to go away. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, I didn't dance for years. Aww. Like, I would go out to, you know, a dance club with friends, and they'd, I would hug the wall. I just didn't – I went from being, you know, the kid who would, like, make up dance routines in my backyard and play on the swing set to, like, no, I don't – my hips don't move. I'm very glued to this wall. Yeah. Um, so I would tell myself to take more risks. Like, who cares? Dance dance why do you care yeah even going to college I my parents had neither of them had gone to college and so my mom got a job at the university so that my brother and I could go tuition free to Syracuse which was amazing and so gracious of her um, to work hard for not a lot of money so mm-hmm. that she could have those put her two sons through college That's um, really nice. yeah my parents really supportive of education, really wanted it for both my brother and me. And yet I still felt like I had to get a degree I could translate into a job. Mm-hmm. And like my first job out of college, I had a 401k. And I think I could have taken some more risks mm-hmm. and let myself explore the arts or let myself explore uh, things without thinking about, oh, what about my you know <laughs> retirement fund? Because mm-hmm. that's what all 21-year-olds should be thinking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, take more risks, not care so much about people seeing who I am. Because yeah. the more I let go of those walls, I actually find the more people want to be around me and mm-hmm. more the type of people I want to hang around with. Um, so the friendships that I've made later and later in life and have really let people in yeah. are the better friendships anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I was so scared about. Well, um, when you're putting your authentic self out, it's like you, there's no shell to protect you. So when people are being mean to you, and you have a facade on, it still hurts, but it, there's like, it's not, 
full it's not full as full force as it would be as if there were no facade and then people are attacking you for your true like yeah. in their inside yeah self uh, these, that that's been my experience of like i th- i feel like i feel th- like since i since i have come into myself and i've really like figured out who i am i feel things so much harder and yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I think maybe I'm going to change the way I'm wording that advice. Okay. Instead of like taking more risks, just don't don't plan everything. Allow time to explore. Because like before I was 30, I owned a house. I really felt like I was saving money to adopt kids with my boyfriend and just I was very much still planning for this heteronormative suburban life, like what I had grown up in. Mm -hmm. And to me, it felt like I need to be planning for that. I need to be financially responsible and I need to be, which I'm not saying, you know, burn all my money, but I could have allowed more wiggle room to explore what it means to be queer and have a family. Um, I had wanted to move to New York I remember being 16 and saying, why do I need to learn how to drive? I'm just going to move to New York and I won't need a car. Everywhere you go has valet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's exactly why. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I love it. I I I couldn't not. I love the idea that I'm driven around. (laughs) My driver can just park wherever. Uh, It's from Clueless. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I should rewatch Clueless. You should. We should all rewatch Clueless. Everyone's homework is rewatch Clueless. Great. Um, anyways, I'm sorry, keep going. No, just so instead of take more risks, like allow yourself to explore. Yeah. I like that advice. I feel like I also had similar um those similar ideas in my mind around like having a, this heteronormative life, even though it was gonna be a queer heteronormative life if that Mm -hmm. makes sense but and like so I also I felt for so long like was feeling this pressure to do the same things that you were just saying of like saving money and wanting to accomplish all these milestones and then I got to a point where I actually think moving to New York really helped shake this out of me of like I don't especially now because I'm 34 and I still have two roommates whom I adore um but you know like when I compare myself to my friends in Columbus they're married. They own their homes. They have two cars. They have dogs. They have children. I don't know why I said their children last. Sorry. I have friends in Columbus. They have children. I think, I think that's <laughs> right? the, like, the order that it happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's like my right. My brother You're and right. sister-in-law yeah. almost named their dog practice. They settled, <laughs> they settled on Daisy instead. Wait, but. that's hilarious. Come here, practice. Yep. Oh, I love that. That's cute. And then, you know, they gave birth to Betsy a year later. Birth so. to Betsy is like, birth I feel like that's Betsy. the name of a show. Yeah. So I think it's okay that you listed cars, then dogs, then kids. Okay. Because that's the progression. Okay, good. That we're taught should happen. (laughs) You're right. Um, And so that's when I get into trouble is like when I compare myself. Same. And it's like I don't – and so, you know, my parents are like, you should buy – you should own property. And I'm like, first of all, I don't have money to own property where I live. And second of all, like – that's just not my journey. That's not my investment. Yeah, I and used that's to own your property. that's yours and that's great. But like I have I have I'm on this other path that's I'm still saving in my 401k. You know, I'm still saving, I'm still doing all those like responsible whatever things. Sure, sure. But it doesn't have to look like the way that they did it. Yes. And it's taken me a really long time to understand that that's okay that I can set my own path. Yeah, I also have been to so many weddings and Mm -hmm. so many baby showers and um, I love all my friends' kids, but it's not the same journey I'm on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. I don't even know if I want kids. I really wrestle with that. It was actually a big point of contention in my last relationship and Mm -hmm. a big reason for the breakup. Um, was that my ex was in a place struggling with depression and just couldn't see even wanting a dog or kids or anything in the future. And I was kind of 
I need that option because mm-hmm. I do really love children and teaching and um, I, I wasn't at that time ready to give up on that option of having kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So now I think like I'm, I'm somebody who I, ne- I never like to say never, like never say never, you mm-hmm. know? And so like in my, so there is this like push pull of like, I like, don't want kids because I never think about them and I love my sister's kid and my friend's kids and then I'm happy to give them back at the end of the day (laughs) and it's like the best yeah I was just um (laughs) traveling with my two nieces and I love Betsy and Evelyn to death but the first day I got home I was like huh I don't have to put pants on all day (laughs) yeah it's gonna be great yeah but then I wonder if I met the right person, would I change my mind and like want that? And so I'm, I'm trying to remain open, but I also don't want to go into a relationship with this idea that I don't want to have kids. Cause I feel like that could turn somebody off if they're like, no, I definitely want kids. And then, or like going into it thinking maybe I'll change my mind. And then we get to like point whatever on that progression. Sure. And then I'm like, actually, nah, you know what I mean? I do. And it's funny because I think I'm in the opposite way. Mm. Um, Each year that goes by, the older I get, I'm like, well, maybe this isn't such like a a must in my life. Yeah. Because I've gone this far and I'm happy without kids. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. My friend Nitta from high school, um, she said she cried when I came out because she thought I'd make an excellent father. Oh. And then when I came out to my parents, uh, my dad said the best part of his life was raising me and my brother. And so he would just want that for me. Mm. So he's not mad or unsupportive that I was gay, but he's just worried that I won't get that opportunity. Um, and he has since learned that I can have that opportunity <laughs> right. and that, you know, there's not one way to raise children or have children. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, I think I lost my thought, but we're just talking about, you know, kids. do we want to have kids? Do we not want to have kids? Yeah. Or- so, Oh, I guess it's funny that you feel like you have to go into dating. Like, you know, it's not a no, never absolute. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm also like, yeah, it's not an absolute must. Because mm. yeah, we're just keeping our minds open and our hearts. Yeah, right. It's, it's all true. we can do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. So do you um do you have a ring of keys moment? So like a moment where you kind of like see yourself reflected for the first time. Uh, yes, I, I feel like I have a lot of little mini ring of keys moments. Um, let's hear them. But, uh, like I remember being, so the, the joke in my family is that when I was very little and people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say a mother. Oh my God. (laughs) They'd be like, well, you can't be a mother. You can Mm. be a father. And I was like, not interested. I will be a bunny. So um, I feel like even these stories of me as a little kid are maybe not ring of keys moments, but they're like, mom and dad, should we have been so surprised that your Whitney Houston loving wants to be a mother son (laughs) is gay? Uh, But I remember I was in... So the national tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat mm, did so not gay. did not travel with a children's choir. So when it came to Syracuse for like a four show run, I was in the children's choir. Ooh. I wore red because I was tall, and we sat in like rainbow order. Mm. Uh, and there was this guy who was just joining the tour, and he was playing Benjamin, the youngest brother, and. I just remember being like, this guy is living the best life. And he would actually come in and talk to the children and 
interact with us, whereas most of the actors were just kind of like, okay, we're in another city. Hi, kids. They're nice. They weren't mean to us, but um, this one guy, Benjamin, and just I used to watch him perform like every show and just like stare at him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if someone had like a video of me sitting on the stairs on the side of the stage the whole time, I would have just been watching, you know, this <laughs> random <laughs> ensemble member. Uh, and there was a scene where everyone's in like go-go dancing outfits. And his was this like swirly silver borderline, like cage dancer S and M costume and just seeing him go out on stage and like dance his heart out in that costume I was just like yeah I want to be him when I grow up mm. cool so that's my it's my you know if Alison Bechdel were to illustrate my life that's a page she would need to illustrate amazing and for those of you uh, who don't know that connection uh, Ring of Keys is a scene in Alison Bechdel's um graphic novel and in the musical where uh, small Allison um, did I say fun home fun home um, small Allison is in a diner and looks up and sees um, this like butch lesbian and like sees herself in this person for the first time and is like completely in awe of this person um, and the ring of keys is the like big ring of keys on the, the lesbians like key uh, pants yeah I I was just on a date um, a couple of weeks ago where we kissed goodnight at the subway. I'd walked him to his subway station. Um, and I went to turn around to walk away and uh, my date went down the stairs and this little boy was walking with his family and just like staring in awe. And I, it, it honestly felt like I was part of his ring of keys moment. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was very happy for him that he's, visiting New York with his family, I assume. Yeah. It seemed very touristy. Yeah. Uh, And I also just remember being in sixth grade and coming to New York for the first time was another, like, I see myself in this city. This is where I identify. Um, So I wonder if that's part of my ring of keys moment as well. I would think so. Yeah. I was at an airport once and, um, I, there was this little kid and was just there, you know, like you can tell when someone's staring at you in a malicious way versus like in an, in awe way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And this kid, they were just, they couldn't take their eyes off of me. And it, it was, I think I was part of one, their ring of keys moment because it just, I could see it in their face of like, oh my gosh, this person. And it was really cool to be, to like feel that energy. Yeah, it it's nice. Yeah. So um, we're going to switch gears a little bit and Great. to go into our final segment, which is the rapid fire. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so just answer as quickly as you can. And there's only one right answer. The rest is fine, whatever you say. Okay? And you'll know when, you, when it happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, writing or reading? Uh, reading. Acting or singing? Singing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Biking or running? Biking. I have a tattoo of a bike. Well, there you go. Biking. Uh, bagels or donuts? Bagels. Good. That was the one. Ah, Tra- I do like a donut, but bagel. Yeah, bagels. Um, train or plane? Train. Pants or shorts? Shorts. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? Uh, night. Favorite dessert? Cheesecake? Question mark? I like all desserts, <laughs> um, but I think one of I bake a lot, and I've never made a cheesecake, and so I think to me it's always like a special thing that I don't make. Mm. Speaking of baking, um, when you were saying when I grow up I want to be a mom, not that dads and other parents can't bake, but like you're a really good mom who bakes good stuff. I really love your baking. scones are so good. <laughs> My mom still asks about you and the scones. I just got some blueberries and I was thinking about making some, but it was ninety degrees, and so I thought, no, I'm not turning my oven on. Did you at least wear the apron? Oh yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Will you make uh, me some blue scones la- later when it's not so hot? Oh sure. Okay, great. Some kind of scone, whatever's in season. Amazing. Um, Scott, if people want to follow you on social media, how can they find you? Uh, my 
Um, Instagram handle is SCA, Scott Charles Austin, 271. Great. And any upcoming shows or things you'd like to plug? Uh, When this airs, I will have our school play on the horizon. Um, I would actually encourage everyone to go see a school play. Not necessarily mine, but I think that we forget how much joy and heart are in school plays. Um, And, or, you know, a high school football game, if that's your thing. But more so the play. Go see your school play. Go support local arts and local emerging artists. Um, Ideally, if you live in Brooklyn, look me up and I'll uh, let you know where I teach and what play you should come see. I saw um, Legally Blonde that you Uh, directed. That was, in in case anyone was still unsure if I was gay at (laughs) work, I directed Legally Blonde. I looked really good in the wig, too. Uh, It was a great show. And but my favorite part was when the like president of the PTA or whatever they introduced you as Steve Austin, uh-huh. um, yeah. and only people who know that the, that's a wrestler and not you were laughing in the audience. Yeah, there's actually two generations of Steve Austins because one Steve Austin is like a TV show that like my parents era, and mm. it was like the Million Dollar Man, and he ran a lot and. I don't know if he solved crimes or if it was like a fugitive situation. I don't remember. But then our generation knows Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mm -hmm. the wrestler. Yeah. Slash English and theater teacher. The bigger thing about my name is people flipping it. Am I Scott Austin or Austin Scott? Ooh, good. Never thought about that, but totally. The actor playing Hamilton right now on Broadway is named Austin Scott. Mm. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm the other way around. Scott Austin. All right. I'll remember that. (laughs) Scott, thank you for coming out. This was lovely. Uh, Thank you for having me here. My pleasure. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.